0: Everybody. Welcome back to Cocktails and Spirits. This is Alfonso, also known as Fonz. With me, like always, is Eric. What's up, Eric? How are we doing today?
1: Oh, man, we're doing great. Doing great. You know, uh, just looking forward to another great episode. Uh, with us today, we have Jay Bear, tequila teacher. Jay, man, how you doing? Welcome.
2: What is up, guys? Great to be on the show. Listen all the time. You guys do an amazing job. Delighted to be here. That's awesome, AJ.
0: Thanks, for, thanks. Uh, thank you yeah. for that. We we truly appreciate it. Uh, like we were talking earlier, you know, this started as a hobby, and now we're you know, bringing on more guests, and every week we feel like we gotta <laughs> we gotta bring someone great, and you know, today, uh, we really enjoy the content you put out for thank Tequila. You. I really enjoy yeah. it. I like the balance that you keep with everything, um, the recommendations, uh, the videos with Maddie. It, it's all pretty cool. Thanks. Um, so just wanted to hear how you got started, in. In the tequila industry or how you, you know,
2: became a tequila teacher. It's like a lot of things like really slowly and then all at once. (laughs) <laughs> so I, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, I'm from Arizona, so I went to school in Arizona. I grew up in Lake Havasu. You guys probably know where that's at. You're so cowboys. Uh, yes, grew up yes. in Lake Havasu with the London Bridges and and uh, went to school in Tucson after that. And then lived in Phoenix for 15 years and then eventually moved to the Midwest where I live now in Indiana. But when I was in Phoenix before my kids were born, I used to go every Wednesday night uh, to this restaurant and bar in Scottsdale called Los Sombreros. Uh, still there, uh, downtown castle. My really good friend Tom, who I just saw this week uh, in Portland, which was great. Uh, Tom and I would go to uh, this bar and sit you know, at the rail, and there was an amazing bartender there. His name is Steve. And Steve was super early into agave spirits, mostly at Mescal. And, and so we would just go every Wednesday and be like, oh. all right, we're going to church. Like, tell us the things. And it was so great and and just really was. Mesmerized and interested in the romance and the history and the different flavor profiles, and so then over really the last 25 years, I've just spent more and more and more and more time learning about agave spirits, mostly tequila now, and I've spent lots of time in Mexico and visited producers and 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 just sort of said, all right, if I can learn more every year, and that's the kind of the the, the plan. And then about two years ago, I sold uh, my consulting business, and so that gave me some extra time. And I said, what should I do with this time?
1: And the answer probably
2: should have been nothing. But instead, (laughs) instead, uh, I said, well, hey, you know, it'd be kind of funny. What if I just tried to teach people some of the things that I've learned about tequila over the last couple of decades? And my my real business is as a professional speaker and a content creator so i i knew how to make content and tell a story that part was actually the easy part uh and and just started to make some videos and it and it kind of took off and uh and it's only been a year and and here we are and now it's like kind of a thing
0: yeah i was gonna say it's only been about a year i remember um seeing when you you know got on on instagram it, it feels like a year, maybe a year and a half max. I would say.
2: Yeah, it's actually um, not even thirteen months. It's literally just. Oh year. wow! Yeah, nice.
0: Now, when you s- decided to do that, and you know, picked up this, I guess, hobby. Yeah, uh, which it, it was. It's funny when you say you, you probably shouldn't have done anything with the free time. That's how we feel about everything we do, <laughs> yeah. but because yeah, it, it turns into a, a kind of an obsession, kind of thing. But. Did you know there was already that agave community on Instagram or was that going to surprise oh, you? Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the people who who uh, are also out there doing agave content, whether it's, um, you know, Tequila Encyclopedia and the Tequila Ladies and, and Long Island Lou and uh, Rob at Tequila Collective and Lucas and, and you know, Jesse, who you had on the show recently. Uh, you know, I followed all those people. Right. So so I was I was taking in content as well. My observation was this and again this this is my day job is to figure stuff like this out. My observation was that um there's 40 million Americans have had at least one drink that includes tequila in the last 30 days. The, that's the data. Now, most of that's margaritas of course. But that's 40 million people. Um Tequila Matchmaker the app today has just short of 250,000 downloads. So if you think of the full audience, 40 million people, and the nerds who have downloaded the app is 250,000 people. The percentage of people who are really into this compared to the people who drink tequila is incredibly small. And and so my observation was there's a lot of content out there for people who are true agave spirits aficionados sort of talking to each other. There's not as much content out there for the, the new uh, n- you know, new or intermediate tequila fan. And, and so that's kind of what I set out to do. I, I don't want to be the number one expert. I, I want to be the person who, somebody who's never had tequila or had that one night in college or or whatever their journey is, is like, oh, I feel comfortable with this channel because they're talking to me at my level. So I felt like there was a lot of traction to be sort of tequila 101, tequila 202 versus what a lot of other people to do, which is sort of like tequila, you know, master's degree.
0: That makes a ton of sense. And um, yeah. from, I kind of had a similar experience in, in like in a smaller scale uh, when I really got into tequila, I was coming off as like um, a know-it-all when I was trying to express my passion for what I was learning. And I feel like that kind of uh, pushed some people away. That or they thought that I was just you know trying to, you know, be, be a know-it-all. But so I kind of figured out there has to be a balance between you know teaching and accepting that not everyone wants you know the all-authentic stuff or they they don't really care about the the history or tradition, but they would like to know what's a better tequila than others. And I feel yeah. like there isn't that great of a balance on Instagram. So I, I do think that that's what I feel like you're really exceeding at that.
2: Thanks. And that's why Maddie um, is so important to the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maddie Jager, who's actually my assistant in the real world, right? So she's my assistant in my, in my real company. I talk to her more than anybody else in the world, other than my wife, because she's involved in all the stuff that I'm involved in, not just in tequila, but in other business. Uh, and, and so she is, th- she is the audience, right? So she is relatively new to tequila, mostly margaritas historically. And I thought, all right, well, let's have somebody on the show who represents the audience because she's at the same place they're at. And and that's why when we do reviews... I always have a score and notes and she has a score and notes and and, and we don't taste things the same way. We don't prefer the same things. Yeah. Um, and and she's also really great on camera and we have a good relationship and all that. And it works as a show, right? It works as content. But I think it one of the things that's most gratifying to me, um, whether you're on Tequila Jay Bear on Instagram or tequila.jay on TikTok, when I see in the comments, when people say, you know, I really found that I agree with Maddie more than I agree with Jay. I'm like, perfect that's exactly what i want right yeah. um, because i'm not the audience i'm i'm you know i am way too into it um and so I, I try and try and keep it um back a couple steps but she's really really good at, at sort of nailing that position
1: yeah and there's definitely levels to to it you know and I, I i try to you know uh tell people like hey it's okay if you don't like it you know Maybe eventually you will. Maybe eventually you for won't. Sure. But at least you're at least you're you're you know uh, you're giving it a chance, and that's all I ask is that you know you hear me out, uh, and, and if it works for you, it does, and it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, it's not a big deal.
2: Yeah, and and it's important to give people sound advice, right? Because tequila is not cheap, and it's getting more expensive by the minute. Um, <laughs> Yo, yeah. And and so it's it's really it makes it worthwhile the kind of time and money and effort we put into the channel when people say hey thanks so much you know i'm drinking different tequila now and i'm enjoying it more because of the advice you gave me or you know you've never steered me wrong with a recommendation those kind of things it's like yeah you know it's uh, it's worth doing it
0: yeah and yeah. going back to like what eric said it's okay if you don't like it i know uh at one of the tastings we did there was one of his friends that tried or el tequileño reposado rare you know and, and mm-hmm. we love it yeah. And she didn't like it, right, Eric? But she liked some of the other stuff, which was like, okay, it's yeah. just not for her. That particular one was not for her.
2: Yeah, and I feel like, especially in that type of expression, w- when you get the the kind of w- more wood-centric tequilas, whether it's uh, a Reposado or, or, or you know, an XA Masqueradian as a Reposado in that case, um, or, or whatever the circumstances yeah. are, that can be pretty polarizing. To me, what I find, and I, I get this a lot from just talking to Maddie, the two things that that can be the most like him either into it or not so much yet, is either presence of oak or French barrels, right? The the more fruity, astringent French barreling uh, can really people either really embrace it or or don't. I love it, which is why my new single barrel is 100 French, but but some people are are just it's too much for. Them yeah that, that's true
0: now I, I am curious to hear um uh, maddie's your assistant mm-hmm. and because you picked up a hobby she had to pick up a hobby of tasting and about tequila. <laughs> yeah, so yeah man is... that's
2: a great question yeah because she was like well wait a second like uh, this now you're making me drink tequila Yeah, I'm like yeah i know it's a tough job
0: <laughs> well was her reaction and uh, i mean I'm, it looks like she took it well and she's doing well with it yeah what was that like
2: for her though well she's the greatest assistant because she's kind of game for anything right she 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 never says no, even if she probably wants to say no. Uh, but she's, you know, she's into it. She's, she likes um, the dynamic. She does like tequila. She didn't dislike tequila before. She just didn't drink a lot of tequila neat, which is true for a lot of people and, and much of our audience. Yeah. Uh, and it's been terrific. It's a little harder now than it one mm. when, when than it was when we started because she used to live in my same town in Bloomington, mm. and now she lives in Indianapolis, which isn't far. It's like a little over an hour, um, but especially because I travel like 200 days a year it, we have to really schedule out our sessions to to record so it's pretty planned out now so we'll get together make every 3 or 4 weeks and we'll shoot shoot out a bunch of episodes with like costume changes and the whole thing so if oh, really? you yeah here's a tip if you watch carefully we don't we don't we don't <laughs> we don't uh we don't put them up in sequence so you can if you watch carefully you can tell whether the particular episode was early in the afternoon or late in the afternoon <laughs> by how giggly Maddie is. You can just tell, because it's just oh like the tequila, <laughs> the tequila starts to add up, right? So there's a little, a little tip, a little tip for fans. Yeah, uh, yeah. You can guess, guess where we're at when we shot it.
0: I was going to say, well, you probably, if you get together, you know, once every three or four weeks, you're probably doing a lot of videos at a time. Are you yeah. like, spitting the tequila or but clearly you guys are drinking it.
2: <laughs> yeah. We had drinking enough. We're going to drink it enough to review it. But yeah. It's, it's, it's baby sips for sure. It'd be like any other tasting, right? It's, it's that kind yeah. of thing. You know, we're not, we're not, um, you know, we're not throwing back full pours or anything like that. Um, the way we do it, we used to do it when we first started, you guys might be interested in this. When we first started, we literally drank it on camera for the first time. So we'd pour it, hit record, do a sip and just talk about it. and, The spontaneity of that was cool, but it's hard. It was especially hard for Maddie because she hasn't been doing this very long. And so to say, okay, what am I tasting? Do I like it? What does it taste like in real time with no warning at all? And you've got to keep the whole video inside 90 seconds. Difficult, (laughs) right? So over time, we changed the process. So now what we do, and it's just easier for editing too, is we've got a setup in my kitchen. And we kind of taste through what we're going to do that week. And then we score, we talked about it, score it. We don't talk very much anymore because I want her to have her own scores. But so we we do sips, we score it, and then we shoot it. That makes sense. It makes it, you know, it's just a little easier. Also, the camera
0: doesn't add, I feel like uh, if you already know, there's no pressure to, you know, mess up or say the right thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that
1: makes it a little bit easier to go with the flow. Yeah, for sure.
0: Now, I feel like since you guys have done this, you've also been able to see someone's palette evolve. Yeah. How has that been like uh, for her? And what are you going to do when she's a professional now?
2: Oh, man. I gotta, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. have to find somebody else. Like, yeah. Maddie, you're off the show. You're too good at this yeah. now. It is yeah. funny, though. Somebody said that in the comments. I think it was just this week. They're like, wow, Maddie's really evolving. And it's true. So it used to be you'd get like maybe an overproof Blanco or something, right? I like got 42, 43% Blanco. Uh, and and I'd be like nine, and she'd be like five, <laughs> and and now, now <laughs> the scores are coming closer together, and I and I think that's a natural evolution, right? As as you drink more tequila side by side, and you're more comfortable drinking tequila neat and at room temperature, um, you you start to appreciate. In almost every case, I think yes. you start to appreciate the natural flavor of agave, and agave and pepper, and a blanco in particular, uh, and, and that's mm-hmm. true for for a lot of folks. Of course, as a practical matter, a lot of people who drink tequila, who are even new to tequila, are coming at it from a bourbon whiskey world, and so yeah. they come from they they come from dark, and then maybe eventually gravitate toward the light. And I use that word uh, <laughs> intentionally. Um, and, and 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 Maddie's kind of the same, right? So she was much more interested in the sweeter, more aged, more barrel forward butterscotch, caramel sort of notes. And while she still likes that, it's interesting now when it's too sweet. Um, She doesn't like it as well. She's definitely gotten to the point where she can pick up on additives in a second, which is amazing, right? Um, Because at the beginning, no idea. What's an additive?
0: Yeah. Even now, like you open up a – I mean, this is a brand I always go to because it's the only one I don't ever feel bad, you know, saying anything bad about, Casamigos. When when I open a a bottle of that one at work, the smell of it is just like nothing – nothing else. Like you just smell it by opening the yeah, bottle. It's like marshmallows. Which is, yeah. It, it's insane.
2: And, but you know, who's, who's the dumb one? It's The you know, fastest selling tequila in the U S they're yep. sponsoring NBA games. Uh, you know, and that's, and that's MLB. You know, yeah. yeah, dude, it's crazy. So that's the, that's the part that's like, it's frustrating a little bit because I think obviously if you listen to the show, you're probably um, more on the additive free, uh, artisanally produced family owned train. And I get that. And I'm down there as well. But but I do think sometimes we got to check ourselves. Right. And mm-hmm. and there is an element to the additive free community that I think is unrealistic. And like, look, man, why do these brands make these flavor profiles? Because those are the flavor profiles that Americans want to drink. And you can bang on your keyboard all you want about additive free. But business is business. And and there's a reason why this works. And, you know, yes. We would all prefer, probably most of us listening, that that there weren't additives in tequila. But there's also additives in every whiskey, in every rum, in every bottle of wine. You know, in in everything that's that's undisclosed. So sometimes it just gets a little much for me. That that conversation, uh, but in, in the whole, of course, I I uh, am supportive of the premise.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, in in, in my uh, experience with tequila, uh, yeah, I I first fell in love with you know uh, uh, an additive uh, tequila. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to mention any names, but yeah, you know, you start uh, as you evolve, you start appreciating, you know, like uh, those those more you know complicated uh, you know, flavor notes on some of these additive-free tequilas. Yeah, and so, I,
2: you know, like I, I feel like I feel like you know, the, the, the answer is not. I feel like if if your position is there shouldn't be no additives, I feel like that's a position that's not really sustainable in the marketplace. But if your position yeah. is do whatever you want, just put it on the label. And, and ultimately, I think that's what Tequila Matchmaker's opinion is. Frankly, uh, I'm down with that. Like, hey, if you wanna if you wanna put in artificial coloring or flavoring or glycerin or oak extract, cool. That's what they do in Diet Coke. That's what they do in rum. Just put it on the label. That's all we're asking.
0: Yeah, that that would be good. And I feel like a lot of mm-hmm. the things that um us enthusiasts, connoisseurs, fans, we we're too roma- romanticized by you know the no additives and the traditions and the way it's made and all of that. And although that's great, like you said, um, business is business. And these companies are a business, whether they're family owned or they are owned by a bigger company, which a lot of them are, they all have goals or they have families to feed. They have, you know, they, they got to, you know, meet ends meet and they got to do what they got to do.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, I do a lot of tastings, a lot of private tastings, um, and almost always with people who are novices, and it is it is fewer than one percent of the people I do tastings with um, ha- have ever even heard of additives, right? M- much less much less are going to make a buying decision. I always teach them. I always even every tasting I do, I always have five tequilas. One is a- a fairly heavy additives, and the other four are additive free. And I do that on purpose because I wanted I want to have them drink a, a, an additive and edited free back to back so they can kind of pick up on the difference more obviously and then I have a conversation about it but it is it's amazing how how rarely people have any idea. Now that's changing. Of course, you're starting to see more mainstream press coverage of additives, et cetera, uh, which I think is great for the industry. And of course the most interesting thing to me is that retail, you're starting to see big liquor stores have, you know, yeah. additive free sections and stuff, which is uh, you know, that's a big change. So congratulations to Grover and Scarlett and everybody else for, you know, for truly moving the market. Like it's, it, you know, it's still a, the percentage of tequila that's additive free is still very, very, very small. But but the fact that we're even talking about it here on this show is a uh, testament to the success of uh, of what they've done.
0: Yeah, yes. they've uh, they've definitely done a great job, you know, putting pressure on those companies to be a little more uh, transparent on things or to or newer companies to, you know, become additive free. I remember when I got into I remember Siete Leguas was, was not a confirmed uh, tequila matchmaker.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And although they were, of course, but I remember they I think they posted something, a tequila matchmaker that, you know, Siete Leguas won after seeing the. Massive support that the app was getting that they decided okay we'll we'll get the certification even yep. though they have nothing to prove. Uh, Cielo was always been one of the best.
2: Yeah, I do some consulting for brands now, uh, especially new brands who want to use not only what I know about tequila but also what I know about about marketing. And so there's a new brand coming out. I can't tell you which one it is just yet, but <laughs> um, you know they they were going to come to market with with additives, and I was like. I feel like we would be better off to not do that, and and so had to go back to uh, the techieros and say, um, "So new plan," and they weren't super pumped about that, obviously. Um, and uh, but but I'm really really proud of of what's uh, going to be the the end game with that and. Uh, the brand owners totally understand, you know, the, the value of being additive free and, and the master distillers really have embraced it. And so it's, it's, uh, and I feel like it's like a small little personal victory, which uh, I'm pretty happy about. So
0: now when, when you're doing that, and obviously you don't have to go into full details, but for example, they come on to you, uh, and they see that you have this presence in the tequila industry. Mm. Are they aware of additives Are they away aware of all of that? Or are they just like, Hey, we see tequilas booming we we either have, you know, the money investment of project that we want to do it and we want to bring one out. Um, and, and do they know yeah. at the distillery that it, does the distillery tell them, hey, you know, we do this, we do that. Or is it how does it work?
2: Yeah, it's, for brands it's like that. It, let me just say this first before I get into this, that every brand owner is different in terms of what they know. And every distillery is different about what they know and what they disclose. So this is purely anecdotal, um, having worked with a few different distilleries and a few different brands. But here's here's what I -hmm. have seen. Most brand owners are tequila fans. They love tequila. They think it would be great to have their own tequila brand. It would be super fun, and it would be. And maybe they can make some money, or maybe they can make a lot of money if it all goes according to plan. But most tequila brand owners are what I would consider to be intermediate tequila consumers. So they do not spend a lot of time worrying about additives or oxygenation or aeration Mm -hmm. um, or how sharp is the Goa. Like they're just not, they're just not at that level because they came at it from a different perspective, right? They had some other business first at the same time, the, because most of the brands don't really come out of the new brands I'm talking about, not the old brands. I'm talking about the new brands. Somebody in America is like, let's start a tequila um, Mm -hmm. contract brands at the same time because these contract brand owners typically don't have a tremendous amount of knowledge. The distilleries typically don't disclose a lot of that because what, I mean, if they don't, why, (laughs) what would you, they don't know what you're talking about. Right. So um, it's almost like a don't ask, don't tell, but not in a nefarious way. It's just, okay, we're hiring you to make a great tequila, make a great tequila. Right. And they don't get into like the, you know, what about this? What about that? No, obviously there's brands that are different that are new or newer like Asganis and others that, that spend a lot of time thinking about those issues. Um, but a lot of the contract brands are, are not as um, those owners are not as dialed in on, on some of the processes. And so it's fun for me to actually be like, Oh, well, let me, let me, let me tell you some of the things that, you know, some of the questions that maybe you should ask your tequillero uh, about, about kind of how this is coming together. So it's, uh, it's fun to be involved in that.
0: Nice. That's pretty cool. Um, and it makes yeah. sense because sometimes, a uh, I feel like you really got to be into it to really know those things. And even now, I mean, now it's getting easier. Like if you look up things or what makes a good tequila, you might, you might find that information, but maybe a couple of years ago, you look that up and it really wouldn't fly. Like there wouldn't be much on it. uh, From what I feel like.
2: The other thing that's really interesting that you guys would probably appreciate is in my experience, when you work with some of the distilleries, in Jalisco who, who maybe don't have a big already popular U S brand presence. And you talk about kind of what matters to American consumers. It blows them away because it's, they're like, what they care about what, you know, it just, the, the, the things that American consumers um, worry about uh, is, is so different than what most of the Mexican consumers worry about. Uh, you know, you, you don't see a lot of Mexican consumers talking about additive free. It's just not a thing that they they really, it's just not part of the conversation down there as much. And so a lot of the tequilleros who of course are are in Mexico and that's kind of the culture and that they're immersed in, you, you know, even even what I do, right? Like the, you know, I was working with a, a distillery and I said, yeah, I do four videos a week teaching people about tequiles. What? Why? <laughs> like, what, like, who would possibly want to do that? Who would want to watch that, right? And and I'm like, oh, bro, you'd be surprised. Uh, and and it's just the the level of of um, and I've and I've had I've had master distillers tell me this word for word. We cannot believe how educated the American consumer is about tequila and how it's made. Like it blows them away, uh, which I think is really really cool, but also tricky, right? Because your backyard where you live isn't as as interested in some of those facts and figures and how it's made and all that but then the big american market is and so you kind of get you kind of get push pulled a little bit as a as a distillery
1: yeah and i think the internet gives you a lot of awareness uh uh, i mean not not only in tequila but in everything else that we consume on a daily basis and i think that's where that comes from you know absolutely it starts there and it kind of translates and it, and it correlates. Yeah, if with, everybody had know, to go get a library tequila. book
2: to figure this out, nobody would bother, right? But, but if you just open yeah. your phone and my video gets pushed to you, you're like, all right, yeah, I'll watch it.
0: Now, what do you feel, um, or what have you heard from distilleries that aren't producing this kind of tequila? Do they feel any pressure in, or the CRT? Are
2: they feeling pressure to do, you know, regulate these kind of things? Well, CRT for sure, right? They're, they're, they've already come out with their own additive-free program. Um, which just launched and, you know, jury's mm. still very much out on how that's going to be made available, what it's going to cost, if anything, what the processes are. That's still all pretty murky, but, but they have decided to, um, kind of get in that, get in that game. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with all that for sure. And, and then on the, on the distillery side, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily harder for them to make an additive-free tequila. It's just Mark it's senses. just confusing for them. <laughs> you know, they're like, well, okay, "Okay, like we why would we not why would we not try and make it easier to drink? Why would we not try to make sure the color's consistent from bottle to bottle? Why would you know, just th- this the idea that you would purposely um you know, not make it, uh, you know, a little bit sweeter if that's what people want. Right. So, so the, the, the mechanics of additive free are not necessarily that complicated for, you know, a true master distiller, but, but sometimes when I talk to folks who haven't done it historically, right, their brand is not all about it, like a G4 or whatever. Uh, they're just like, okay. I mean, I get, if that's what you're saying that people want, no problem. It's just confusing to us. And is there a difference in
0: pricing, like, Doing it additive free Mm. or not? Is there? I feel like there really wouldn't be much that would make it more expensive. Would it? Maybe the the Um, the agaves that you're using.
2: No, the only real difference that I'm aware of, and again, this is anecdotal. um, Yeah. Would be if you're not going to use any abacantes in an aged tequila, you're probably going to need to leave it in in barrel longer. So, you're gonna need you're gonna need longer natural barrel aging as opposed to shorter shorter barrel aging. And then you just plus it up with a little color. You plus it up with a little oak extract. You plus it up with a couple of drops of sugar, Ooh. and you're out. So that's where I see the biggest difference is in is in repo and Yeho and NXA. Is that a lot of the a lot of the repos that have uh, that have additives are are you know sixty one days in barrel, right? Like it's the minimum minimum mm-hmm. uh, because then they can just put in a couple of drops to, to sort of get it where they feel like it makes sense, both visually and in a flavor standpoint. If you're going to go additive free you know, it, it's going to be really hard to 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 pull it in two months. You're going to probably need to leave it four or five, six in many cases. And, and so that's probably the biggest difference. And that does have a cost associated with it.
0: Or in that case, like what the brands are doing, they're okay with the inconsistency in color and oak. And well, it's that. funny. Yeah. I mean,
2: it, it, no, in some cases. I actually did a video on this. It was really popular about, I don't know, a month ago, about this whole idea of, look, a lot of times people are using color. In some cases, it's to fake it right to make it seem older than it is because mm-hmm. da- americans in particular think that darker tequila equals better tequila better. Uh, which you know yeah. if your tequila looks like coffee like you might want to question that but um <laughs> but but that's just you know it's just the way the consumer mind works and so sometimes people are doing that right they're just making it darker because they can charge more but in my experience w- what happens more often is the distillery says hey w- you know if we don't put in some color these batches are going to look really different on the shelf and if the consumer sees a bottle side by side that are different colors they're going to think something's wrong with it and they're not going to buy it etc um which i think is an interesting perspective uh, and i think it kind of probably depends about your own supply chain and how much you sell at retail versus uh premise etc but um i don't know i mean i mean you guys you know ten bar like if if you had a bottle of something and you went through it and you just pulled the second bottle off the back bar and it was a different color. Like, I mean, what would you think about that? You
0: know, it's so funny. Uh, cause I, I just thought as you were saying that I thought no one ever <laughs> really looks at them from the back bar. but the other day it happened in the whiskey and I was so annoyed. I'm not even going to lie. Um, I made an old fashioned for a guy and he said, Hey, this looks lighter. And then I'm like, it's, it's, it's whiskey. The, the color in whiskey is so much different. But he noticed it, and then hmm. I, I started doubting it because he goes, like, I don't think this is the right whiskey. And I'm like, well, I know I poured the right whiskey. But it, it was a much lighter whiskey, which was interesting. And I don't know if it, their batches in, in bourbon changes like it does in tequila. I thought so it was I, almost
2: always blended, so I was suspected. Me too. It shouldn't, right? But interesting, so yeah. I,
0: I was a little uh, caught off guard with that, and I was like, "What?" Because he said it's good. I just don't like that it's not the regular color. Interesting. uh, That yeah, but I (laughs) feel like sharper consumer than most. I know that's what I said. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Uh, but I don't know because I feel I feel like where I'm at, it's it's it would be very inconsistent. Uh, Where I work at, we don't have the best uh, Gavid tequila selection, but you know we're a very busy restaurant, so I stay there. Now, Eric, before when you used to buy. Bottles, would you, you think you would pay attention to that?
1: Not nece- not necessarily. And I was, I was actually thinking about that while while you were mentioning it. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's a little bit kind of biased because now knowing what I know is that I would know the difference between, you know, one bottle being the slightly, sh- you know, shader or lighter shader than the other one. And I mean, because nowadays, especially with, you know, uh, additive free tequilas, the the information's on the actual label. Everything's so transparent that it's easy to distinguish yes. or know why there's a difference. And that's
2: exactly what I said to to a master distiller a few months ago. We were having this exact same conversation and I said, well, let's just be more prominent about about numbers and mm-hmm. and dates. And you know, mm-hmm. let's just put it on the label, right? And that way if it's different, then we like, well, let me see the label. Well this is because this is batch four not batch six and the barrels were you know not recharged or whatever the story is um to me if you do it right you know you look at like tequila ocho you know, I, I always felt like their idea of mimicking the wine game where this is a 2021 this is a 2022 this is a 2020 is so smart um yeah. with a single field in the, in the years because you know that's wine drinkers are so used to what year is this and 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 I think a lot of tequila brands could actually benefit from more information on, on the label. Now, of course, it's got to be approved by the CRT, and it's a whole thing about what you yeah. put on the label. But um, go- you know, even a hang tag or something—you uh, know—more information is typically better, at least for the U.S. consumer.
0: I was going to ask if if you might know, for example, when they do a handwritten lot lo- number, bottle number, mm-hmm. does that have how does that approval with the what's it called the TTB? I think
2: yeah, TTB. Or-
0: how does that work? Because I know every label, every different label has to be approved. So, so I feel like sometimes that's what holds back some of the brands, right? Like if you do a different label for each expression, yeah. you have to get it approved by them.
2: Exactly. When and you're it's doing not, and it's not written, always quick.
0: Yeah, when you're doing it handwritten, <laughs> how does that work?
2: Um, the way I understand it is, they say, "All right, this is the." The range of numbers that we're going to use. So the label itself is approved. Then they say where this part's going to be written in. It's going to be between bottle twelve thousand and bottle thirteen thousand four hundred. They they basically approve the range. Got it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause it, that would be tedious to go approve every single one. No, of those, no, you couldn't do that. Thousand you, bottles. you definitely
2: couldn't, you definitely couldn't do that. And, and it is interesting. Like, you know, if you have a, a regular tequila and then you do a single barrel, right. It's, it's a challenge for the brand to, to figure out, okay, do we do a totally separate label or like the same label with just a, a single barrel designation? Um, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to those packaging decisions. As I mentioned, um, I'm doing a single barrel with uh, tequila primo 1861 coming out soon. their first ever reposado they're doing three single barrels um two they're going to come out at 40 percent, and then mine is going to be cask strength at 44.7 percent uh all french all all french oak and brand new barrels too so it is like a spicy spicy cinnamon number uh it'll knock your socks off it's going to be amazing but we had to figure (laughs) out like okay so we've got tequila primo labels white ones you know what color are the first ever reposado labels going to be and then how are we going to indicate and where that this is the j bear you know edition um so we had to kind of think through all that and uh so we just got it approved i believe the labels um this week so we're 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 getting close we're maybe bottling soon next week maybe so
0: that's exciting. That's Come very together. exciting. Yeah. Beautiful. If you got, got any, yeah. uh, can you give out info on how long it was aged or how long? Yeah. The barrel? Uh,
2: and, and so it was totally an experiment because they've, you know, they've never, they've never uh, done any sort of repo before. And so um, Pedro Camarena got five different barrels and each barrel is a different combination of wood. So there's one that's all American. There's one that's all French, which is my barrel. There's one that's American with a French head. And there's one that's French with an American head. And then the fifth one is, I think it's American with a different toast on it, if I recall correctly. So different, different char level. And so they're all very, very different. We, we tasted through all of them. Very, very different. Really interesting. Uh, just to kind of see what Primo would taste like in, in barrels. Left them all in, I don't know the exact number of days once the CRT approved the poll, but it ended up being just over four months. Um and because they're new barrels, they weren't second fills. They were literally never. They never had anything in them. Never had whiskey in them. Never had bourbon in them. Never had water in them. Mm. It's just tequila in them, which is pretty unusual, uh, f- as you guys know, for tequila to have a brand yeah. new barrel. You don't need. To, yeah. You don't need to keep it in there very long. Um, it, it's like pop, pop. It it, it gets. Uh, it picks up some barrel notes quickly.
0: That's awesome, man. That that's super exciting. Yeah. I like the concept that they did. I imagine that it was on purpose and um. Earlier, you were mentioning data, so I wonder how much owners are looking into data. For example, what I think about is is bourbon and the fact that they did, I think you said five single
2: barrels they're doing? Yeah, five single barrels. That's right. So uh, single, single barrels they're gonna are- them, They're going to release them as three single barrels, and then the other two, they're going to hold back, I think, for another project that I can't talk about yet.
0: Okay, sounds good. Uh, now, <laughs> they all single barrels are also different, but the fact that each single barrel of, for Primo has like different components and yeah. the type of wood. I think that's, that's even you know, getting a little more creative because
2: mm-hmm.
1: I
0: feel like if I ever become like an owner or something, which I'm not even going to lie, I'm very ambitious. It's probably something I would like to pursue someday. <laughs> um, I'd look into what bourbon does and they release uh, single barrels all the time. Yeah. Cast strength. On, they release uh, you know, for example, they do, uh, there's a midwinter uh, blend, which kind of reminds me of the uh, Fortaleza winter blend. Mm-hmm. Midwinter Dram is called Midwinter Dram. Midwinter Dram, uh, yeah. So there's they do all that. And I feel like it all had to spill over into tequila. And I feel like that's what's happening. And I feel like as an owner, if you're smart and you want to create, you know, you, you want to create excitement for uh, reposados, añejos, extra añejos coming out, you, you got to play that game. You, you got to create that excitement between the, the enthusiasts and connoisseurs to sell the product.
2: Yeah, especially the mm-hmm. ones that are getting, you know, pretty expensive up there. You've got to have a story uh, around it, right? You think about the, the six-year G4 or the six-year Volans mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, the, the four different barrel kind of Mahenta Anejo that came out, things like that. You know, you, you, you got to have a reason for the collector community or the people who want to spend you know, significant money on a bottle, um, you know, you just got to give them something to to get excited about. And, and you start to see more and more tequila brands do that. Uh, I'm not sure that's necessarily great for the industry overall, because it starts pushing everybody's price points up. But, um, you know, there's no question they're just taking the whiskey playbook and following it.
0: Now, when you see that brands are doing that, um, what do you think their story is? Like, okay, are we trying to do these cool things that the aficionados are going to truly appreciate? Or are we trying to make this thing look sound, look and sound the par for those trying to spend X amount for a really nice bottle on a really nice occasion?
2: Mm, That's a great question. I think it's, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I, I I think it's a both, right? Um, I don't know the numbers on this, but somebody should do a study on it. Drizzly'd be a good one to study. This is at, at a certain price point. Let's say, let's say 250 bucks above $250 per bottle. What percentage of tequila is purchased for personal consumption versus gifts? And I would bet you it's probably like mm. pretty close to half because I get asked in my DMS literally every day, Hey, it's my boss's birthday or Hey, it's my husband's yeah. or, or or whatever. Right. <laughs> and, and what should I get? And then, and then I always ask the same question, like, "What's your budget? You can't, I, you can't tell me what tequila should I get my husband for his 50th. I'm like, "Well, what is he drinking? What's your budget?" With those pieces of information, yeah. I can make you a recommendation. But, um, it it is, you know, there's there's of course, um, a lot of tequila collectors out there, but but not really. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there is, but not in the big scheme of like consumer marketing. There's not. So, um, you've got to tap into. A, a gifting element as well, which is why I think it's really smart that some of these limited releases like the ones from up and deal uh, put them in a nice box. Uh, I think that the box really helps from a gifting mm-hmm. perspective. Uh, I think it's really smart. And obviously they didn't invent the nice box, but, but uh, they've been doing it the last couple of releases.
0: It's funny. Cause when you said, uh, it, when people ask you for uh, it's all always a birthday or something like that, they, mm-hmm. and they put in this real big budget And I was just thinking next time someone asks me that, I'm going to tell them, all right, well, you're going to start them off with uh, you're going to spend your 250 (laughs) bucks and you're going to get several good tequilas. We're not going to go for an expensive extrañejo as a gift. Yeah,
2: No, I'm actually working with a a program um, with lovescotch.com, which is one of my affiliate uh, partners, Them and Sip Tequila, to to do a thing like that, right, where already if you go to lovescotch.com. Uh, there's a, a J bear's picks. So if you click a, click the, the link, it's all the tequilas that I recommend on the site. And so I'm working on a deal where, yeah, if your budget is X, here's the three bottles I recommend. If your budget is Y, here's the three bottles I recommend, right? So, so almost like flights, but in a different budget, uh, because I think you're exactly right. I'm actually shooting a video tomorrow. I'm going to the local liquor store which used to have terrible tequila. And I mean, Indiana, right? We're not exactly epicenter of the tequila conversation, Uh, but we used to have really bad tequila selection. (laughs) But over the last year, their tequila selection has quadrupled in size. And I'm not saying that I'm responsible for that, but I'm also not saying that I'm not responsible for that. So uh, they've got a bunch more tequilas now.
1: (laughs) Got to take some credit. Yeah, take a little credit, right?
2: So they get a a bunch more tequilas now. So I'm actually literally going to shoot that video. I'm so glad you mentioned it because it it validates what I want to do you see a lot of people who do tequila education will go to, Hey, come with me to total wine or Bevmo or whatever. And and they just kind of show you what's there. And, and okay. But you know, the inventory is different every place. I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So Mm -hmm. what I'm going to do is, all right, if your budget is a hundred, here's what I'd get. If your budget's 200, here's what I'd get. If your budget's 300, here's what I'd get. Right. And actually do collections of bottles um, from the store. I just think it's going to be more useful for, for uh, viewers. So that's how I'm spending my tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I think that's a perfect idea because, yeah, yeah, cause if you really if you really think about it, when when you gift that as as a full lineup, uh, it might not be something that that person would pick up, you know, or purchase on their own. Yep. Maybe they wouldn't go with the blanco, or maybe they wouldn't go with the reposado, maybe you just go for the añejo. But if you do, yeah, that that you know uh, that full lineup as a gift, they might, you know. Um, figure out, hey, you know what? I actually like yeah. the Blanco better that's than I right. did the other ones or vice versa or, or whatever combination that might work for them. People
2: tend to gravitate towards XAs in a gifting scenario because they're the most expensive. So they think that because they're the most mm-hmm. expensive, it's most suitable as a gift. But, I, I, you know, I would argue that's not necessarily the case. I think, you know, there's this is going to sound probably yeah. crazy, but I, I think there's fewer great extra Añejos than anything else. Um, there's a lot of mediocre extrañejos yeah. for sure, uh, and there's a few great ones that are all pretty expensive, mm-hmm. and and so when people say, "Oh, I want a great extranejo i I'm like, "Do you though? Like, what if we got <laughs> three? What if we got three incredible blancos instead?" And you know um, what's
0: the worst part of those extrañejos? People feel this guilt of drinking them because right. they're such an expensive and <laughs> <of sugar>. right <laughs> yeah, yeah and and now it's you got like a thousand dollar doorstop man it's like what are you why, doing no, why no, don't no, you just no. uh, frame 250 dollars on the wall that you didn't want to touch <laughs> yeah because people are so scared to open these bottles which i mean i, mean, I get that some of them are like rare and stuff to get but just just drink your tequila hey
2: look i enjoy man. i uh this is a legitimate business expense for me now, right? Like we've got sponsors Mm -hmm. on the show and like we generate tequila revenue. I'm not really going to quit my day job anytime soon, but, but, but there is income as part of this. And so it is a business expense for me to buy tequila, which was the only reason I started doing this. Like, what if it's just a business? (laughs) Uh, And now it's become a whole thing, but I have never, (laughs) ever, spent more than 250 dollars on a bottle of tequila in my life and i don't know that i ever will now on occasion somebody will send me a sample of something that's that's higher end than that and that's great god bless thank you uh i'm delighted about that but but i'm not I, i'm not a collector right i'm a drinker yeah. and and so i just feel like i'm yeah. I, I really you know even some of the even some of the new limited edition blancos like i, I I had onse bricks at Cascahouin, um the day before they bottled it, unfortunately, uh, and so I couldn't oh. get a bottle. When I literally <laughs> they bottled it the next day, I'm like, "You're killing me, guys!" Yeah. So I, I didn't get a bottle, so I don't have one. And I'm like, you know, it's amazing, like I, uh, it's it's extraordinary, blanco. But you know, this this idea of like chasing the tater, like in the bourbon community, and like finding the, mm-hmm. you know, there's only a 500 bottles. Like, who cares, man? Just. I feel like if you're trying to drink tequila because you're trying to find like this super rare one and all that, you're, you're taking the love out of it. It's not about that, man. It's about, it's about three ingredients and a family that cares and a master distiller that has been doing it for 50 years and, and an amazing, spiritual, incredible beverage that you can share with your friends and loved ones. And, and once you start saying, oh, I couldn't get, I couldn't acquire this rare one to me, you're doing it wrong. Um, and I, I won't move off that position.
0: You know what's funny? The last month and a half, I think that's kind of I've been hit. Um, I kind of I, I still want those. Like, if it's in my hands, I'll take it. But I don't really care to go uh, hunt anymore. Yeah. Because I, I'm like, eh, you know, why I have so much stuff at home? Um, I mean, if I ever am walking at a store and I see it, and I'm like, oh wow, it's been a minute since I saw the Fortaleza. Añejo, you know, I'll grab one. But the other day. And hopefully the, what's it called? The ABC or whoever regulates that. No one is listening. I had a couple <laughs> of rare whiskey, had a couple of rare whiskey bottles and I have uh, backups. And I also had some opened and I'm like, it's been a year and I haven't even gone through half of them. I'm a, a couple of people needed birthday gifts and I, I, you know, sold it. to Yes. Because yes. I'm like, why do I have them? I'm just, they're just there and I'm not going to go through them. So, you know pass them on to someone that wants to enjoy it.
2: Yeah. I did a video on this not too long ago about Fortaleza. uh, And, you know, I mean, who doesn't love it? It's great tequila, incredible people, um, you know, Mm -hmm. nothing but love hundred percent, nothing but love. And, and, and one of the things I admire the most about that company is that they've never raised their prices. Like price has gone up, but it's not because Fortaleza is raising their prices. You know, the Mm -hmm. retailers raising their prices, right. Which I think is amazing of them to, to not cash in on their own popularity. Um, at least not yet. And, but my video was like, you know, I, I literally see this in my, in my messages all the time. Oh, I couldn't find Fortaleza. So I just didn't get anything. Or where can I find Fortaleza? I'm like, look, there's a lot of great tequilas out there, right? If, if, if your opinion of great tequila begins and ends at Fortaleza, like you got to broaden your horizons because a lot of folks, if they tasted it blind, they wouldn't think it was their favorite. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. I, I 100% agree with you, and uh, I know Eric does too, but I'm trying this What right now. I'm drinking yeah. that I know. No, Re- I'm Re- drinking a Fuerta Re- right t- now too. Reposado. Yeah. The reposado yeah. single barrel. And this yeah. whole time, yeah. I've been thinking, I know. oh, my God, this is one of the best single barrels i know. Uh,
2: yeah, whatever. Yeah, t- but, we'll cut but, that part out, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? We, we do tastings uh, uh, every so often um, with the, uh, uh, our group. And you, like you said, you know, sometimes, you know, by trying other, you know, tequilas, you might not know that, you know, you like this other brand better than you like, you know, your Fortaleza because you never really give yourself that chance. And that's one thing that I like about doing those tastings is because, you know, well, now I'm a little bit more, you know, well-rounded with all the brands, but I did, you know, find that, you know, maybe, yeah, you know, I actually like this one better than this one here than i thought i did because this was my favorite but now now actually having sampled this one this is actually even better
2: yeah and on opposite side right even some of the celebrity tequilas now most celebrity tequila is terrible but there is some celebrity tequila that's (laughs) really good right i mean and people always say oh Mm -hmm. all celebrity tequila is bad that's it's a it's not true and that is a that is a Mm -hmm. overly reductive opinion um you know like go to go 1530 uh, Juan Lobo and Solito. I don't know why they're all owned by country stars, but they seem to be uh, most of the good ones. Um, <laughs> <Yeah, and, sure. laughs> i kind of curious. Um, uh, El Bendito Yankee is incredibly drinkable, like an amazing uh, tequila from margaritas. Um, so so there's definitely five, six, eight. Uh, you know, Santo is perfectly adequate. Um, mm-hmm. And there's there's definitely a handful of celebrity-owned brands that that I have no problem drinking under any circumstances. And if you drank them blind, you'd say the same thing. But but because they're known to be celebrity tequilas, people people say all celebrity tequila is bad, and that's that's not true. Now, if you say, hey, no celebrity should own tequila because they're coming at it for the wrong reasons or they don't care about Mexico and the traditions, like that's also not entirely true. Uh, but but you know that's that's fine if that's your perspective. But, but the idea that all celebrity tequila is undrinkable is is not factually correct.
0: But then, if they say that, you could just tell them mm-hmm. well, how do you feel about everything you purchase at Target, everything you purchase mm-hmm. at, yeah, <laughs> yeah, everything. yeah you, <laughs> everything the cars that, that you, the car that you have. How do you feel about all of that? <laughs> business is business, you know. I feel like that's what I mean. You get, uh, we all get to romanticize with everything else. But are you surprised that there hasn't been a celebrity that has caught on to this? I mean, there's a few that have, but not on to like the full point, like, like, like. I think Santo probably has the biggest kind of like big celebrity behind it and they're producing at a pretty big rate Mm -hmm. but like a massive celebrity you know well
2: i would say Terramana. i think Terramana is the answer to that question
0: no but like add it to free oh um like a really that will ever happen yeah like a big massive celebrity just said you know what i I, I for sure here i'm just gonna come drop uh, dispensary and we're gonna produce is gonna be well. Yeah, I I, I, it's I think be big. it's
2: probably likely to happen relatively soon. The question is um I think you said two things that are really hard to go together, which is massive and additive free. B- because <laughs> because most of the distilleries that are additive free don't have enough production capacity to to be massive. Mm-hmm. Um so that's the that's the tricky part.
0: Yeah, but, but I think for it's example, possible. like I, I used uh, yeah. 15 and uh, NOM 1579, they're producing so much juice for three to four brands. I think mm-hmm. what yeah. if one you know massive celebrity just said, We're gonna you know replicate, we're gonna bring someone good, and we're gonna do one brand and we're gonna produce all you know the volume of what those four brands were doing, and we're gonna do one. What if there was a celebrity that did that? I wonder um, how that would be
2: taken? I, I think that is possible. I don't think 1579 is a place that would happen. Uh, oh, not because, there I because, meant, I because, meant overall, because like, just because Felipe, you know owns some of those brands, g four and yeah. his ownership of primo and and Felipe is also Felipe. Um, so I think I think he would be the a poor choice for that <laughs> idea um, just in terms of his attitude on on business. But um, you think about um, like fourteen fourteen, right? somebody like that, maybe yeah. um uh, who has all the equipment and and is making more brands than ever. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't think it's impossible um for sure. I, I would say this though, as a practical matter, it, it is more likely today that a celebrity would build a distillery. That's what I meant.
0: I meant a, a, a celebrity yeah, building a distillery yeah. from scratch. The size, the size of fifteen seventy nine, yeah. producing the volume that yes. that whole distillery yes. produces. Yes, that's, I think that, that is absolutely I mean. yeah. possible.
2: Uh, absolutely yeah. possible, and 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 I suspect we'll see it. Um, Although I don't know, you're starting to see more celebrities now starting brands in different spirits. Maybe they're thinking that the celebrity tequila business is getting too saturated. I'm not certain. Maybe, but but know. like Brad Pitt just started mm. a gin, and I've seen I've seen more celebrity brands just in the last say six months um, in non tequila categories. And I don't know if that's just a blip um, or a trend. I'm not sure yet.
0: That's true. I, I hadn't even I didn't even know Brad Pitt had his own gin. Although yeah, apparently I, it's I a really say, good gin really distiller. Either. I don't know I, anything I was, about gin, but
2: apparently it's a good one. I was one. going
0: to say. Um, the The celebrities going into gin are actually producing pretty good quality gin, yeah, so I wonder if they should uh I'll just go to gin
2: yeah, uh gin's not my thing. I, you know most people <laughs> one night in college with tequila, that was me in college with gin, so that is the one that is the oh, one wow. like a tequila or like a gin j bear channel. I'd follow that, but yeah that's not my thing.
0: What were you going through in, in, in college, Jay? That you're in gin instead. I wasn't in <laughs> gin. I just had
2: one really bad night. Um oh, that, okay. that was the that was the trouble. Yeah, it ruined me for life. Got it, got it. Yeah. All right, Jay. Well, we've
0: been I know we could probably talk for a long time, but we're nearing the one hour here. Uh first last question I have for you is uh where are we gonna be able to get your single barrel?
2: Um couple of things. Yep. So the primo single barrel and I've got a couple other single barrel projects um working as well. Uh, that will be available, uh, most likely on lovescotch.com. The best way to get it is to get on my email list. So if you go to j tequila.com, J a Y tequila.com, it has the list of my recommended tequila brands. which I change out every quarter, uh, I'll get your email address, send you the list. And then when the single barrel is available, I'm going to send it to the whole list of, you know, on my email list and be like, who wants it? Cause we're only going to have maybe 20 cases. So it's going to go in an hour oh wow yeah that's gonna oh, be yeah. quick yep quick. yep keep us posted yeah i will definitely keep you posted um absolutely so yeah we have a lot of other fun things planned i'm doing a live with uh, we talked about santo i'm doing an instagram live soon with guy fieri talking about uh, tequila and food nice. we have all kinds of fun stuff happening
0: yeah and then uh, one of the celebrity tequilas we work at work is santo and i i do like their stuff and yeah. i have enjoyed it it's pretty cool mm-hmm.
2: yeah do you, uh, do you guys have the 110
0: no, I've never had it actually. Yeah, wow. it's I solid. I even man. know they had it.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's a really nice uh, one ten and great for cocktails. It's you know it doesn't have the the softness and the sweetness that maybe like a wild common still strength would have. It's it's more mm. in the tapatio, uh one ten category, right? That's it's my favorite. More, oh, okay. Yeah, I like it a lot too. More yeah. like straightforward agave. Really good one. Uh, yeah, give it a shot. Look for it. It's it's bartender's best friend.
0: Oh, cool! I'm I'm, I'm gonna check it out. But all right, Jay, you want to let us know where we could catch you on yep. your social media? You network? bet. Grab me
2: on uh, Instagram at tequilajbear. That's B as in boy, A E R, at tequilajbear on Instagram four times a week. Also, four times a week on TikTok. It's at tequila.j awesome man
0: well thanks for your time we truly appreciate it and yep uh we now it's an unrunning chuck but we hope to one day uh meet you one day and you know share a tequila with you
2: uh we're gonna make that happen as soon as we possibly can Uh, i guarantee it thanks so much for having me on congratulations on the show i'm a big fan you guys are the best
0: appreciate
2: it have a good one thank you appreciate that thank you